Welcome to Walk in Truth. These are the Bible teachings of Pastor Michael Lentz, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people. Learn more about the program by visiting walkintruth.com. Only two more days until 2020. Are you excited? Join us for the next half hour to hear part three of Pastor Michael's teaching in 1 Corinthians chapter 8 called Knowledge Puffs Up, Love Builds Up. Therefore, concerning the eating of things sacrificed to idols, back to our subject, we know that there is no such thing as an idol in the world and that there is no God but one. Now, we know there's no such thing as an idol in the world may be their phrase. And certainly, they would have learned this from Paul. Because Paul, even when he's preaching in the book of Acts, they tell a group of people to turn from these lifeless idols to the living God. So they might say, we're correct. An idol's nothing. Have you ever been somewhere and maybe you're... Uh, we were, at a stay, we were staying at a place down by the beach. We had rented it. And there was a little Buddha statue in this little garden. And I went, oh, there's a Buddha. <laughs> what should I do? Should I, should I move the Buddha to the other side of the wall? It wasn't my home. But I did. I, I threw it. No, I'm just kidding. I... <laughs> no, it didn't freak me out. I know what the thing is, right? but I didn't go and eat my barbecue before it either, <laughs> right? Yeah, we, we can realize uh, that's just a statue. Somebody produced that. Somebody made that. There, there's no spirit or entity potentially in that. Okay, but what that represents for some people is precisely that. Have you ever seen some documentaries where people go up to statues and they kiss them or they genuflect before them or they kneel before them. In other parts of the world, these things are very real. And people, people you know, put a lot of stock in them. Of course it's true an idol is nothing. There's no such thing as an idol in this sense. But in another sense, there are people who believe that there's an actual deity behind them. And remember, you're dealing with a culture where they were steeped in this kind of stuff. This was everyday affair for them. This is what they believed. New King James, therefore, concerning the eating of things offered to idols, we know that an idol is nothing in the world, and there is no God but one. Would you all mark that? There is only one God. All other gods, small g, are false. They're idols. But does the God of the Bible acknowledge the reality of idols? Yes. The first two of the top ten commandments do apply. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt. You shall have no other, what? Gods before me. Now is the God of the Bible saying that there's other deities that he knows about who live on a different street than him? No, no. He's acknowledging that there's false gods in the nations. The second commandment, do not make an idol and don't bow down to it. Why would God say that as the first two commandments? Because the Lord knows that idols are more than a matter 
of a physical object. They're a matter of the heart and potentially a channel for the enemy. There's one God and one mediator between God and man. That is the man, Christ Jesus. There is no God but one. This is a creedal statement and this is a reflection of the uh, Shema, the Hebrew Shema, Deuteronomy 6.4. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. There is one God. But the enemy of our souls, Satan, is called the God, small g, of this age. And he masquerades himself as an angel of light. And what does he do? He seeks someone to devour. Please hear this. The enemy for a long time has used false religion to lead people astray. It's his business. He's in the counterfeiting business. And this is what most modern believers don't understand about the spiritual battle. Is that the enemy of our souls is a counterfeiter. He uses religion to lead people astray. And that is the concern as the Bible unfolds. For even if there are so-called gods, note their unreality, their so-called gods, small g, whether in heaven or on earth, as indeed there are many gods and many lords. Now, have you ever interacted with a person who's a, a member of a cultic movement and they'll say, well, I don't believe Jesus is God, the true God, but he's maybe another type of God. Look, there's only two categories. There's the true God, and every other God has to be then by definition what? False. This is eternal life, says Jesus in John 17, 3, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. If there's only one true God, according to Jesus, then all other gods are, by definition, what? False. You only have two categories. If there's only one true God, then there's only one. And then anything else that claims to be a God is false, by definition. And so you cannot, if you're debating, for example, with a Jehovah's Witness, and they say, well, Jesus isn't the true Almighty God, he's a second lesser God. Wait a minute, my friend. With all due respect, there's only one true God. Either Jesus is the true God, since there's only one, or he's not. You only have a category for one true God, and every other God can't be the true God. You see, there we are at an impasse. And that's where then they try to get slippery with their uh, view of the Bible. Now, what is Paul saying? Is he acknowledging many gods and many lords? Yes, but in the same sense that God did in the Ten Commandments. There are many false gods and many false lords. They were all over the landscape at this time. Turn uh, one book, two books forward to Galatians 4. Galatians 4. Look at verse 
4, Galatians 4, 4. When the fullness of the time came, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, so that he might redeem those who were under the law, that we might receive the adoption as sons. Because you are sons, Galatians 4, 6, God has sent forth the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. Therefore, you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. However, at that time when you did not know God, the true God, you were slaves to those which by nature are no gods. You see, there's only one true God by nature. But now that you have come to know God or the true God, or rather to be known by God, how is it that you turn back again to the weak and worthless elemental things to which you desire to be enslaved all over again? You see, this was an issue in multiple churches, back to 1 Corinthians 8, where people were being drawn back to these old ways, these old places. And so let's look at the final verse for this morning. It's 1 Corinthians 8, 6, and I want to park here for a moment. It says, yet for us, in contrast to the pagan world with many lords and many gods, yet for us, the us there is Christians, there is but one God, the Father, from whom are all things, and we exist for him, and one Lord, Jesus Christ, by whom are all things, and we exist through him. This is one of the strongest uh, deity passage, passages, what they scholars call Christological monotheism. I'm sorry for the big phrase. But it simply means this is pointing to the fact that Christ is the one God. Now some of you are going, but how? Because it says the Father and the Son. Here's where we have the triune nature of the Godhead. Notice that this also sounds similar to the Hebrew Shema. Listen to it. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Every time Jesus Christ is called Lord in your Bible, essentially he is being called God. This, 1 Corinthians 8, 6 you could write in your margin Deuteronomy 6.4 because to call Jesus the one Lord is to parrot or shadow the Hebrew Shema. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. There is one Lord. Jesus Christ is God the Son. If you call upon the name of the Lord, you will be saved. When you call upon the name of the Lord, you are calling upon the God of the Bible. Jesus Christ is God. And do you know that the biggest single debate throughout the years of church history has been just right here? Is Jesus truly God? Is he God in human flesh? Does he have the right to forgive sins? Does he have the right to call people to repentance? Why does the Christian church, you may, you may think this, maybe this is crossed through your mind, why does the Christian church put so much emphasis on Jesus, Jesus, Jesus? Because Jesus is God. 
And I gave you a rhyme several weeks ago, he's God in a bod. You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment. Hey, there's only two more days in 2019 to give a tax-deductible donation. So please help our mission to get Walkin' Truth on more radio stations in 2020. We have a chance to get on 13 new radio stations across the country, and some are secular stations, which is good so we can reach more people who have never even heard the gospel message before. You'd be helping us with the bill for airtime on those stations. We still need 80 more people to commit to $30 a month. Would you please become our next partner? Please give online today at walkintruth.com. Give whatever you can. You can even give a one-time gift if you like. Our overall goal is to add $30,000 to our budget, so every bit counts. Click the Donate button on walkintruth.com. You can now listen to Walk in Truth with Michael Lance wherever you go and whenever you want. That's because Walk in Truth can now be heard on your favorite podcast app. Apps like iPodcast, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Google Play, and much more. Simply open up your favorite podcast app and search Walk in Truth. Make sure you subscribe so you'll know when a new show is available. Thanks for listening and partnering with Walk in Truth. Now back to Pastor Michael Lance, right here on Walk in Truth. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Every time Jesus Christ is called Lord in your Bible, essentially he is being called God. This, 1 Corinthians 8, 6, you could write in your margin Deuteronomy 6, 4, because to call Jesus the one Lord is to parrot or shadow the Hebrew Shema. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. There is one Lord. Jesus Christ is God the Son. If you call upon the name of the Lord, you will be saved. When you call upon the name of the Lord, you are calling upon the God of the Bible. Jesus Christ is God. And do you know that the biggest single debate throughout the years of church history has been just right here? Is Jesus truly God? Is he God in human flesh? Does he have the right to forgive sins? Does he have the right to call people to repentance? Why does the Christian church, you may may think this, maybe this is Cross through your mind. Why does the Christian church put so much emphasis on Jesus, Jesus, Jesus? Because Jesus is God. And I gave you a rhyme several weeks ago. He's God in a bod. It's true. Because in Jesus dwells the fullness of deity in bodily form, Colossians 2.9. Isn't it interesting how many times people in our culture take his name and bring it down to a level where they want to express disgust? The name above all names that every knee will bow before and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. How many times a day in our world do you think his name is taken in vain? In fact, 
I, I'm sad to say that in Jewish circles, in some unbelieving Jewish circles, his name to them is a joke, a byword, something to laugh at. And yet, in 1 Corinthians 8, 6, Paul says, from Jesus Christ, you have the Father, there in the first part of 6, from whom are all things, that is speaking of creation, the universe, and the one Lord Jesus Christ, by whom are also all things. Who made all things? God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And in Isaiah 44, 24, a verse I've pointed out to you in the past, when God stretched out the heavens, he said he did it all by himself. He did it all alone. Therefore, Jesus has to be God because in John 1, it says that by him were made all things and apart from him, not one thing that was, that was made was made. And Colossians 1 says, in him all things hold together. Do you know who's holding the universe together right now? His name is Jesus. He's the living Lord of the universe. And in fact, he says in John 5, all judgment has been given to the Son. If you have the Son, you have life. If you don't have the Son, you don't have life. And some of the Corinthian believers were dabbling back in a world that was denying Jesus as Lord and God. They were toying with stuff. They were messing with stuff that they shouldn't be messing with. And it had the potential to cost them greatly. I just want to pause here and just ask you, is this the Jesus, is this the Lord that you know? This is who he is. And whenever I ponder his beauty and majesty and I watch him in the Gospels heal somebody or pour his grace out in a situation or call to the other side of the grave and say, Lazarus, come forth. And Lazarus comes out in his grave clothes and Jesus says, all right, Get the grave clothes off him and give him something to eat. I love that. Immediately, food. Isn't that awesome? <laughs> Jesus. Jesus, you make the darkness tremble. Jesus, Jesus, you conquer fear. This is the one who says, in my father's house, there are many dwelling places if it weren't so, I, I would have told you, I go and prepare a place for you. This is the one who was treated on the cross as though he had committed all of your sins and my sins. God, Emmanuel, came to save us. This is Jesus. Would you bow with me? Father, we thank you so much that the majesty of Christ is on display really in the entire Bible. And we have one God, one Lord, from whom are all things. Jesus, you made everything. You made the stars and you call them by name. You made 
the plants and animals, sea creatures, the oceans. You fine-tune the universe, the earth for life. It is amazing to realize who you are. And you have chosen a bride, and the bride is your church. And you call us to yourself. And the Bible says we love you because you first loved us. It's such an amazing love. We have such a majestic Lord and such an amazing love. Keep your heart and head bowed. If you've let maybe some idols into your heart, maybe some things that have pushed you away, Maybe some compromises that you made. Maybe you even felt like, man, I'm on good theological ground here, but maybe it was misapplied or you didn't get the full picture. Maybe there was a compromise along the way that compromised something in your walk, your marriage, your family. Now's the time to get right. Our God is so good. He calls us back home constantly. He calls us back to our first love. And Lord, thank you that you're so patient. And if you need to return to your first love today, maybe there's been things that have gotten in the way. It's something like this. Lord Jesus, pray it if it's you. Forgive me for allowing idols into my life. I want to turn from those things and turn back to you. If you've not met Jesus as your Lord and Savior, today can be your day of salvation. He can rescue you from sin and death. But you must have a moment when you say, I believe that you are the true and living God. I believe you died on the cross. And if it's you and you've never settled this before, don't let the moment pass you by. I believe that you're the true and living God. I believe you died on that cross for me. Pray it if it's you. I believe you rose from the dead, proving that you're God, and I trust you. Lead my life, lead my family, my decisions. Help me to grow in the grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. Father, for this precious family of believers, who desires to be people of truth and to build up others in love and truth. May you bless them. May you keep them. May your beautiful face shine upon them. May you give them shalom, give them peace, give them strength as they walk out what you have worked into them. We love you. We praise you for your word. May it continue to be a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. You're listening to Walk in Truth, and this was part three of Pastor Michael's teaching in 1 Corinthians 8, entitled, Knowledge Puffs Up, Love Builds Up. Hey, there's only two more days in 2019 to give a tax-deductible donation, so please help our mission to get Walk in Truth on more radio stations in 2020. We have a chance to get on 13 new radio stations across the country, and some are secular stations, which is good so we can reach more people who have never even heard the gospel message before you'd be helping us with the bill for airtime on those stations. We still need 80 more people to commit to $30 a month. Would you please become our next partner? Please give online today at walkintruth.com. 
Give whatever you can. You can even give a one-time gift if you like. Our overall goal is to add $30,000 to our budget, so every bit counts. Click the donate button on walkintruth.com, and thank you. Now, here's Pastor Michael. Well, as we study 1 Corinthians chapter 8, love's passion is to build others up. Sometimes a lofty knowledge, or let's call it prideful knowledge, the goal is to tear down to make myself look better. But you know what? When we have the right knowledge, when knowledge is driven by love, it causes us to want to build up. I want you to think about the end of a year and a new year coming and a goal, just a very simple goal for the coming new year. How about you spend 2020, you and I, building others up? Think about ways that you could just build somebody up, encourage somebody Uh, build them up instead of making them look bad and tearing them down. That's really what this is all about. This is what love does. Love builds. Knowledge puffs us up. And usually we want others to live in our shadow. I'd like to express my gratitude to all of you who are listening, praying for Walk in Truth and giving to Walk in Truth. And, you know, the end of the year is a unique time to partner with us. I want you to pray about giving. You can go to the website at walkintruth.com and help partner with us financially. If you believe in the program, you believe in what we're doing, then partner with us today. Thank you for your prayers and your partnership with this great ministry. God bless you. We're so grateful that you're listening, and we pray that God will richly bless you. Tune in tomorrow for part four of Pastor Michael's message in 1 Corinthians chapter eight, called Knowledge Puffs Up, Love Builds Up. I'm Mike Massaro. Thanks for listening to Walking Truth equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all.